0: Miles northeast of the iconic Giza Pyramid Complex stands the world's oldest surviving obelisk, dating to roughly 1900 BC. You'll see the top of the obelisk reaching into the sky. They think of it as a sort of an axis mundi. It's a it's a way of connecting Earth with the heavens. Egypt was given, according to ancient texts, the powers of heaven. Mainstream scholars interpret this connection to the heavens as purely symbolic. But ancient astronaut theorists suggest that the obelisks were recreating the technology of another world, and that these giant stone pillars were part of a vast wireless energy grid. Okay, guys, I'm sorry. That was a little longer than I thought it would be. Um, That was taken from a recent episode of uh, our friends over at Ancient Aliens. Um, because they think that everything that wasn't, uh, I think it all just boils down to is that all the other ancient civilizations around the world, uh, built, were able to build megalithic structures, and there ain't that many besides Stonehenge and, uh, all over Europe, so they're probably just jelly. But, um, anyways, uh. I guess I'll start with a joke, did you um do you know why the uh pyramids are in Egypt? I gotta wait for dramatic tension. It's because uh they wouldn't fit in the British Museum <laughs> okay, but anyways, um, so what are we uh talking about today? I'm just i mean this is gonna be a shorter one, but it's just to. Um, explain that believe it or not obelisks are not ancient relics commemorating visitations by ancient aliens I mean I, I know that I really had to uh, go out of my way to prove that but hey if it's still being pushed on a, I I just want to look at how many views that had Sorry, really quick. Um, Obelisk, Ancient Aliens. Okay, that short that we just listened to had 752,000 views. So, obviously, there's plenty of people, mostly Americans, mostly in a certain southerly direction out of the four that would believe and probably follow ancient aliens and probably eat up the same stuff that uh, you hear on the Curse of Oak Island every week where they say, oh, the Templars did it. So anyways, let's start with the beginning. An obelisk is a tall, four-sided, narrow, tapering monument which ends in a pyramid-like shape or pyramidian. It was originally constructed by the ancient Egyptians, and they called it Tekhenu. Um, the Greeks used the ancient term obeliscos to describe them, and the word passed into Latin and ultimately English. Um, they are of monolithic proportions, and uh, the ancient ones consist of a single stone. Like, um, it's a, it's actually a historical site, but, um, there's a unfinished, um, obelisk in, uh, where is it? It was in, um, unfinished obelisk. It's in, or it's near Aswan, Egypt. And it's good size one. Um, so most of these were around the, uh, Middle East Orient or not Orient, but Middle East Egyptian area. Um, so we kind of have to go culture by culture. Um, obelisks were prominent in the architecture of the ancient Egyptians and played a vital role in their religion, placing them in pairs at the entrance of the temples. The word obelisk, um, uh, is of Greek rather than Egyptian origin because Herodotus was one of the first classical writers to describe the objects. A number of them are known to have survived, plus the unfinished obelisk. Um, they are now dispersed around the world and fewer than half of them remain in Egypt. Um. The earliest temple obelisk still in its original position is a 68 foot, 120 metric ton, red granite obelisk of Senusaret, the first of the 12th di- dynasty at El Materia in modern Heliopolis. In Egyptian mythology, the obelisk symbolized the uh, sun god Ra. And during the religious reformation of Akhenaten, it was said to have been a petrified ray of the Aten, the sun disk. Um, it is hypothesized by an Egyptologist um, that the shapes of the ancient pyramid and obelisk were derived from natural phenomena associated with the sun. The sun god Ra being the Egyptians' greatest deity at that time. Um, And they are thought to have been connected with the sunrise and sunset. Um, So in Nubia, ancient Nubian kings of the 12th, 25th dynasty sought to legitimize their rule over Egypt by constructing egyptian monuments in the Middle Nile region. Historical sources mention that King Pi built at least one ob- obelisk. And the obelisk was made of local black granite. and was f- found at the site of Catacol, and it had been cut down to make it into a column, presumably for one of the early Christian churches in the area of Old Dongola. Today, the obelisk is exhibited in the National Museum in Khartoum, is inscribed with the king's official titulary, strong bull, appearing in dominion, king of upper and lower Egypt, two ladies, ruler of Egypt, son of Re, P, Anki, uh, what he made as his monument for his father, Amon re So, I mean, that's one thing they'll also skim over, on like a show like Ancient Aliens is that the obelisk you know, just like a victory stele or a pyramid or other stuff, they were either for religious significance or the triumphs of like a pharaoh, a king, like they won a battle or to commemorate the gods or something. I mean It's not just a 68 foot tall blank structure. They would carve objects and symbols and religious of religious significance into it. So, yeah. So then we move on to ancient Egyptian object obelisks in ancient Rome. Around 30 BCE. Rome seized control of Egypt and looted the various temple complexes. In one case, they destroyed walls at the Temple of Karnak to haul them out. And there are now more than twice as many obelisks that were seized and shipped out by Rome as those that remain in Egypt. The majority were dismantled during the Roman period over 1,700 years ago, and they were sent to different locations. The largest standing in tallest. Obelisk is the Lateran obelisk in the square at the west side of the Lateran Basilica in Rome that stands at 105.6 feet and weighs a, has a weight of 455 metric tons. And, okay, so they they moved that, the, the ancient Romans moved that. So if they were able to move that I mean, it would have been before, like what, the fall of Rome, right? So they would have moved that at least before, what, 476 A.D.? There there was no levitation ray. There was no UFOs assisting them with that. Like they just said, they looted the various temple complexes around Egypt. They probably hauled them to the Nile River and floated them up. You know, I mean, it's not like, I don't, I mean, they go into this uh, more well-known as the iconic uh, 82-foot-tall 331-metric-ton obelisk at St. Peter's Square. This was brought to Rome by the Emperor Caligula in 37 CE. Let, Let me read that again. Because they're always saying, oh, these structures and stones are so huge. How did they move these? I mean, this is clearly documented. More well known as the iconic 82-foot, 331 metric ton obelisk at St. Peter's Square. And this was brought to Rome by the Emperor Caligula in 37 CE. And it has stood at its current site and on the wall of the Circus of Nero. Flanking the basilica. Uh, the elder Pliny in his natural history refers to the obelisk's transportation from Egypt to Rome by order of the Empress Caligula as an outstanding event. The bards that carried it had a huge mast of fir wood, which four men's arms wouldn't could not encircle. One hundred and twenty bushels of lentil were needed for But last, having fulfilled its purpose, the gigantic vessel was no longer wanted. Therefore, it was filled with stones and cement, and it was sunk to form the foundations of the foremost uh, quay of the new harbor at Ostia. Um, A pope was determined to erect the obelisk in front of St. Peter's, of which the nave was yet to be built. He had a full-sized wooden mock-up erected within months of his election. Domenico Fontana, the assistant of Giacomo della Porta in the Basilica's construction, presented the Pope with a little model of crane of wood and a heavy little obelisk of lead, which the Pope himself was able to raise by turning a little winch with his finger fontana was given the project half buried in the debris of the ages it was first excavated as it stood then it took from april 30th to may 17th 1586 to move it on rollers to the piazza It required nearly a thousand men 140 cart horses and 47 cranes so once again Clearly documented all the way up to the year 1586, not much had changed technology wise. They didn't have cranes, they didn't have levitations, they didn't have UFOs, they didn't have whatever. They just moved it with a lot of labor, horses, and wooden cranes. I mean, how hard is a crane? You have a long arm, you have a counterweight. And then you wrap the rope around the thing you're uh, carrying or going to move. And then you, you know, probably have enough people and then you can move it. Um, This uh, movement was scheduled for the September 14th. The feast of the exaltation of the cross was watched by a large crowd it was a famous feat of engineering which made the reputation of fontana who detailed it in a book illustrated with copper plate etchings della transportation del obelisco vaticano et delle fabrice di nostro signor papa sisto 5 1590 um Before being re-erected, the obelisk was exercised. It is said that Fontana had teams of relay horses to make his getaway at the Enterprise Feld. Um, Wow. And then three more obelisks were erected in Rome under the Pope uh, in 1587, 1588, and 1589. Another obelisk in Rome is sculpted as carried on the back of an elephant. Rome lost one of the obelisks, uh, the Boboli Obelisk, which had decorated the Temple of Isis, where it was uncovered in the 16th century. Uh, The Medici claimed it for the Villa Medici, but in 1790, they moved it to the Boboli Gardens attached to the Palazzo Pitti in Florence and left a replica in its place. Um. Hmm. So not all of them were moved to Rome. In 357 CE, Emperor Constantius II had two Karnak Temple obelisks removed and transported down the Nile to Alexandria to commemorate his Venta Nalia, the 20th year of his reign. Afterwards, one was sent to Rome, and erected on the spina of the Circus Maximus and is today known as the Lateran Obelisk. The other one known as the Obelisk of Theodosius remained in Alexandria until 390 CE where it was. he had it transported to Constantinople and put on the spina of the Hippodrome of Constantinople. Um, it once stood... Uh, 95 feet tall and weighed 380 metric tons. However, its lower section is now lost, um, reducing the obelisk size to 65 feet. Um, the ancient Romans populated their city with Eight large and forty-two small Egyptian obelisks. More have been re-erected elsewhere, and the best-known examples outside Rome are a pair of twenty-one, or sorry, sixty-nine feet Cleopatra's Needles in London, England, and New York City, that are seventy feet, and the Luxor Obelisk uh, in Paris, France obelisks were being shipped out of Egypt as late as the 19th century when three of them were sent to London, New York, and Paris. Their transportation was covered by various newspapers. So like, just looking at one of the obelisks, I mean, they they never talk about this, but like on the top of the uh, pyramid shape, there's like a king with the two crowns um, with a servant kneeling before him while he's on the throne, and then there's, uh, right below them is a Egyptian man, uh, it looks like smoking some kind of pipe, then with a bird with the, you know, like kind of one of the pharaoh hats on it, and then it's standing on some raised pillar, and then, uh, another, or the pharaoh talking to some other uh servant. I mean, so there's religious or ceremonial drawings drawn on these obelisks and the pharaoh is the pharaoh at the time was featured prominently and this was Hatshepsut's fallen obelisk um at the Karnak Temple Complex in Luxor, Egypt. Um, in Assyria, um, obelisk monuments are also known from the Assyrian civilization where they were erected as public monuments that commemorated the achievements of the Assyrian king which, of course, um, the obelisk of Ashurnasirpal, the first was discovered in, by Hormuz Rasam in 1853 at Nineveh, the obelisk was erected by either um, a guy sorry, I, I don't want to butcher these names a guy reigning from 1050 to 1031 BC or uh, his successor 883 to 859 BC the obelisk bears an inscription that refers to the king's seizure of goods, people, and herds which he carried back to the city of Asher. And the reliefs of the obelisks depict military campaigns, hunting, victory banquets, and scenes of tribute bearing. So, once again, a totally separate civilization from the Egyptians. These were built to commemorate whatever the king did. Like as a victory... Just another version of, like, a victory steli. Um The Rasam obelisk, named after its discoverer, was found at the citadel of Nimrod. Nimrud. It was erected by that same guy, though only survives in fragments. Um, the surviving parts of the reliefs depict scenes of tribute-bearing to the king from Syria and the west. The Black Obelisk was discovered by Sir Austin Henry Laird in 1846 on the citadel of Calhu. It was erected by Shalmaneser III, and the reliefs depict scenes of tribute bearing as well as the depiction of two subdued rulers, Jehu the Israelite and Sua the Gilzanian making gestures of submission to the king. The reliefs on the obelisk have accompanying epigraphs, but besides these, the obelisk also possesses a longer inscription that records one of the latest version versions of Shalmaneser the third's annals, covering the period from his access ascension all year to his 33 Third regnal year. Uh, the broken obelisk that was also discovered by Rassam, uh, only the top of the obelisk has been reconstructed in the British Museum. The obelisk is the oldest recorded obelisk from Assyria, dating to the 11th century BC. So uh, there's some in Ethiopia, uh, a number of obelisks were carved in the ancient kingdom of Axum of today northern Ethiopia. There's a sixty-nine foot one called King Azenas Stele. Um the seventy-nine foot tall obelisk of Aksum. It was carved around the fourth century CE. Um it was it collapsed and broke into three parts. Um Ironically, it broke into three parts in these conditions. It was found by Italian soldiers in 1935 after the Second Italo-Abyssinian War looted and taken to Rome in 1937 where it stood um, in the Piazza di Porta Capena. Italy signed a 1947 UN agreement to return the obelisk, but in an not reaffirm its agreement until 1997 after years of pressure and various controversial settlements. In 2003, it made the first steps towards its return and in 2008, it was finally re-erected. The largest known obelisk, the Great Steli at Axum, now fallen, uh, stood for, or stood at 108 feet high and uh, weighed 520 metric tons. Wow. And that is one of the largest single pieces of stone ever worked in human history. Wow. So the largest is either at Balbeck or the Remesium. Uh So these were... Uh, da, 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 da. They were used to mark graves in underground burial chambers. The largest of the grave markers were for royal burial chambers and were decorated with multi-story false windows and false doors, while nobility would have smaller less decorated ones. While there are only a few large ones standing, there are hundreds of smaller ones in, quote, stele fields. Uh, the Byzantines um, built some in between nine hundred five to nine fifty nine. the Romans commissioned obelisks in an ancient Egyptian style. Some examples are in Arles, France, the Arles obelisk, and from fourth century, uh, Benevento, Italy, the Domitian obelisk from. Which was an emperor that reigned from 81 to 96. Uh, Munich, Germany, obelisk of Titus uh, Africanus. Uh, he served as a consul in 59 AD. And there are five more in Rome. Okay, so now here's the interesting one Pre Columbian obelisk. The prehistoric Tello obelisk found in 1919 at Chauvin de Huántar in Peru, is a monolith stelle with obelisk-like proportions. It is 2.52 meters tall and was carved in a design of low relief with Chauvin symbols, such as bands of teeth and animal heads, long housed in the Museo Nacional de Arqueología in Lima, It was relocated to the Museo Nacional de Chauvin, which opened in July 2008. The obelisk was named for the archaeologist who discovered it and was considered the father of Peruvian archaeologists. He was America's first indigenous archaeologist. Wow. I I wasn't sure if there was uh, any obelisk in pre-Columbian contact America. But, um, wow. I mean, it, it looks like it's covered in, like, Maya or, you know, Mayan kind of uh, stone carvings. It's, it isn't that tall, but it's probably, I don't know, five or ten feet at a time. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, I mean, you can see... It's kind of hard to tell what is on it, but it's it looks like a dragon. And then, like, there's one side where it's, it looks like a... a crocodile guy. I mean, you can see his hand and then his face, but uh, I don't know. It's like he's holding something. I don't know. I, that, that's my problem with uh, like Mayan art. Uh, it's very hard to kind of tell what the... It's actually depicting because it's so stylized. I mean, I love it. This is... It's very hard to tell what uh, it's, is on it, but, basically, if you just listen to, like, ancient aliens, they just kind of wax and wane about how the obelisks are, like, ancient communication towers or some nonsense, but, to me, it's a lot more interesting to, like, I didn't know that the, I mean, I knew the Romans, like, had conquered Egypt. Obviously, but I didn't know that they had like ripped down obelisks and transported them to Rome because like that's one of the main arguments for ancient aliens all the time is how did they build this? How did they move them? And like, here's a perfect example of, well, here's how they moved them. You know, here's how they tore them down and moved them somewhere else. I mean, think about it. They moved from Egypt. All the way to Rome. I mean, that's quite a distance. So, I I don't know. Anyways, thanks for listening to me rant, ramble for about half an hour. Uh, hope you have a good week. Bye.